This presentation has been previously broadcast. Many times, medical care, medical treatment, it can be seen as very straightforward. If you have a certain ailment, well, take this drug or have this procedure done. It'll fix whatever it is to whatever degree possible. But there are plenty of times in medical care when things aren't so straightforward. A few years ago, I was talking with a surgeon, and I asked him about his experience when things in the operating room don't go according to plan, at least not exactly. His answer was refreshingly hopeful, and I'll tell you what he said coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Rayner. It's always nice to be uh, looking at a Friday, isn't it? <laughs> Glad to have the week behind us here, pretty much. Well, welcome to this hour of Spiritual Direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. So when my wife was pregnant with our youngest son, his name is Joseph, we found out about midway through the pregnancy he was going to need surgery right after he was born. He had an issue with his stomach that wouldn't allow him to digest food properly once the umbilical cord was cut, so this was going to have to be corrected within that first day or two after his birth. So we started to plan ahead, and we met with a few different people at the children's hospital, the, the, the closest one to where we lived. We planned for the possible timeline and Joseph's stay there in the NICU after the surgery, and one of our meetings was with a surgeon that did these kinds of operations. And he walked us through the procedure, how he or one of the other surgeons there, they would uh, do this repair for Joseph's stomach. And it was fascinating listening to his explanation of everything that this, this, uh, th this operation would entail. And he was only giving us a very basic description of what would be done. And toward the end of our consult with him, I said to this surgeon, you know, even though you've done surgery for years and years, and there's a routine aspect to these different operations, you know, you're correcting the same problems over and over, do you still step back and then look in kind of awe, in amazement at the complexity of the human body? And he said, oh, absolutely, the human body is incredible. And then I asked a follow-up. I, I asked him if there were times where he might finish an operation and think that things hadn't gone well, that things maybe were even hopeless, but then the body would still rally and somehow find a way to fix itself, you know. And he said, yeah, it was one of those things that he couldn't explain, but he had seen it happen more than once. Even if he or one of the other surgeons did something wrong, if they made some sort of small mistake in the operation, the human body would often survive. It would, it would figure out a way to correct that mistake or make some sort of workaround and fight to survive. And I thought that was amazing. You know, even if some mistakes were made, that an infant's body, it wanted to keep living, and it would, on its own, try and figure out a way for that young boy or that young girl to live and grow. Now, if you've been a parent for very long, you've probably experienced this same sort of phenomenon in other ways, not necessarily when it comes to surgery or medical care, but I, I'm talking about other life experiences. The fact that children can be remarkably resilient, because as a parent, you want to make the right choices to help your child succeed in life, but you know, you only get that one opportunity to help them grow up. And you could make a choice for them that might seem good at the time, but then you look back 
maybe it's a year later, maybe it's several years later. And, you know, hindsight 2020 kind of thing, you think, oh, there, there might have been a better option, but you can't go back, you can't do it over again. Thankfully, most of the time, like I said, our kids are quite resilient. Now, that said, as a parent, you still want to make the best choices you can in helping to raise your kids. One of the biggest areas that we face as parents in choosing a path for our children is the area of education. Where will your child spend several hours every day? Will you be the one to teach them all the different subjects, or are you going to entrust them to a teacher in a school? Well, today is the feast of St. Catherine Drexel, a woman who devoted her life to offering educational opportunities to some of the least fortunate in society. So today, we want to spend this hour of the inner life talking about the importance of education. But along with those important areas of reading, writing, arithmetic, all of that, we also want to ensure that our kids have a solid religious education. And joining us for this conversation, Father Bobby Blood is back with us again here on The Inner Life. Father Blood is a priest in the Diocese of Rockford, Illinois, and the spiritual director and vice principal at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois. Father Blood, welcome back to The Inner Life. It's great to be with you on this Friday and celebrating St. Catherine Drexel. Right. Well, and maybe you can uh, give us a little background on her life. Like I said, you know, she spent a good portion of her life wanting to help those who didn't have access to education. Can you kind of give us the the brief bio on her? Absolutely, yes. St. Catherine Drexel, I actually was assigned to a parish named after St. Catherine Drexel when I was a seminarian, so I, I grew in fondness of her. You know, uh, as a Christian, oftentimes we, we sort of have this idea, right? Poor is good, rich is bad. We've got the rich young man and Lazarus. And and St. Catherine gives us an example of someone who was given a lot. Uh, she was raised by a wealthy banker. And uh, instead of sort of just setting everything on fire and running away in poverty, uh, she took all the good things that she'd been been given and saw the needs of both Native Americans and African Americans in and her local community community and beyond, and um, founded different schools and missions, and and she became a religious sister, uh, a mother superior of her community, and in that uh, just wanted to use both her her financial wealth, but also her skill and her desire to spread the good news, and and really offering the opportunity for deep, uh, holistic education to those who who might be forgotten or, or maybe left out in, in other instances. So um, she gave her, her entire life to that mission and, and became, I think, our, our second American-born saint, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is. I also, I, when I was reading a little about her, uh, you know, that, that amount of, uh, you know, the, the, the wealthy aspect, apparently when she decided she was going to dedicate her life— um, uh, yeah, the, the headline here, I'm looking it up, News, newspaper headlines said that when she decided she was going to dedicate her life to religious life, the headline was, gives up $7 million. $7 million she walked away. And this was in 1889 when she did this, you know, so, right. um, you know, I, I don't know what the conversion rate would be, what a oh. dollar back in 1889 would be worth today. I would guess at least probably, you know, $50, $60. So right. you're talking about tens of millions of dollars that we would equate to that at least. And, and even when her, her father died, he left, I think, $15.5 million. And, and And to us, that seems like a lot, but you imagine in... You know, yeah, early just post Civil War, yeah, era. That's 
Oh, okay. Nick just said 227 million would be about what that equates to today. Yeah, 7 million would be about 227 million today. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, you might be able to uh do a, do a, a little bit of good with that money. Well, there's a lot of hope and mission, you know. I've got I see the need and 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 you don't have to sort of <laughs> beg, borrow, and steal to make yeah. it happen. It's really kind of a, a modern-day St. Francis story, you know, where St. Francis, he kind of rejected the wealth of his father, his family, to become impoverished and to rebuild the church. And we see that here with our own American saint, with Catherine Drexel. I think that's beautiful. Absolutely. And, and to see, right, there's something sort of essential about education, which we're going to talk about today, where uh, she saw that's a, a legitimate need. It wasn't just, I'm going to go feed the poor. It's not, I'm going to go clothe the poor. But to see there's a poverty in education and, and really sort of focusing on that is her mission. Well, so when it comes to educating our children, uh, there are probably three basic options. There might be different subcategories in some of this, but um, there's the option to enroll your child in public school. There's Catholic parochial school, maybe a, another Christian school if you're not close to a, a, a Catholic school, but at least private you know, schools out there. And then that third option is homeschooling. But maybe before we get into any of those options, uh, can you speak about how with all three of these options, they're really secondary to the main thing that the Church says should be happening when it comes to educating children, that the parents should be the primary educators of their children. Absolutely, right? The Vatican II, um, a document on the Declaration on Christian Education, talked about how uh, Holy Mother Church must be concerned with the whole of man's life. So when we talk about education, we're not just talking about uh, the, the reading, writing, and arithmetic, although those things are important, but really the wholeness of a person. But we're naive to think that from you know eight to three, uh, any institution can really provide in depth what what a, an individual needs. Um, so from the very beginning, the parents are called to uh, to be that example of virtue and dedication, and also uh, to be the ones who sort of. Um, become the funnel by which we learn things, right? So when we get into complicated biology, being able to have difficult conversations about how does this rub up against the faith. Um, but the catechism talks about it as, as parents having the first responsibility for the education of their children because they bear witness to the responsibility by creating a home where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and disinterested service are the rule. And so beyond what a public, a private a school might provide, the parents really have, uh, that's where the buck stops, right? Mom and dad have to sort of take on that role and say that this this young person has this right to education, to, to learn about the faith and beyond, and and they've got to have a careful eye on, on how that's done. Mm -hmm. A couple of the, the words that stand out there, you know, that, that it's supposed to create this environment. One of them is uh, forgiveness, which there's so much in our society right now where we see, you know, don't, don't admit that you're wrong. Don't own up to anything. You know, you should do what's right for you, and it shouldn't matter how it impacts anybody else. The other, the other one is that last uh, phrase there, disinterested service. The fact that what we're doing is not self-interest, but it's looking to others. It's And with that, I like the fact that you're taking kind of that second of the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives us, and you learn how to live it out in the home, 
before you leave the home and then apply that in encountering others that aren't your immediate family. And, and practically speaking, when, you, when you're having a conversation with a young person, even if they're a part of a, a wonderful school, if they haven't been taught sort of those basic ideas or, or virtues early on, those are hard things to learn later. Um, from the very beginning, you start to be formed in, in what does it mean to to see the need of another? What does it mean to have that forgiveness or accountability, which is what you're talking about? And and especially in our society, if, if we're trusting the greater society uh, to teach our kids what it means to be a Christian, it's going to fall flat, right? The church has that, that principle of subsidiarity, right? The lowest order, if it can take care of something well um, or better than, should always have the reins, right? And that's kind of where that comes from, right? Parents are that that lowest, not meaning, you know, worst, but but most primary, uh, it's it's the most immediate most resource immediate. Exactly. that can do it, and if it, it most likely will do it better than if it's left up to bureaucracy or higher levels, where all of a sudden it has to have more of a cookie cutter approach. Um, you know, and I, I think that's that's it's one of the difficult things, even when it comes to. You know, and again, I mentioned those three different areas: public school, private school, or Catholic school, and then homeschooling. Even in homeschooling, you're going to have limitations. What you can do, you're going to have to have some supplemental help. So you get to a certain point where there's going to be a cookie cutter approach for a lot of education out there. But at the same time, you want it to be as personalized, as individualized as you can, so that the individual has the ability to not only learn but excel. Absolutely, and. And to find that sort of balance where, you know, we want our child to be safe and, and not hear things that are contrary to what the church asks. But at a certain point, you have to start to to hear those things that you might disagree with and learn to to discern when, when we learn something or someone someone teaches us a topic. If it starts to maybe bristle up against what we've learned in the home, to learn how to maybe cast that aside or ask deeper questions. and Right. Yeah, real critical thinking rather than just accepting, you know, what you're given there on the surface and, and saying, oh, this person sounds like they're in a role of authority, so it must be true. And, and you know, not that you need to necessarily, uh, you know, fight against all authority, but the questioning is important, and it helps you refine your own understanding, your own thoughts. So, it, it yeah, of course, that's that's important. Um, again, uh, today talking with Father Bobby Blood here on The Inner Life. He is the spiritual director and vice principal at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois. Today talking about Catholic education, and uh, not specifically that it has to be a Catholic school, but that education that starts in the home and how that carries out into whether you have a child in public school, in a private Catholic school, maybe you are homeschooling. We'd love to hear your experience with whatever you've done in your family as well. You know, what has that experience been like? And there's not a all right or wrong answer on this. You know, every family is is individual, and what might be right for one family doesn't necessarily fit for another one. But also, what have you done as a parent to make your home that learning environment beyond a school or beyond a classroom? Maybe you have a question about some of the different options for educating your child. You know, you're, you're a young parent kind of starting out, and you're not sure which way you should go, and you'd like to speak with Father Blood. The phone number to call into the program is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Or you can, give us, uh, you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, 
How about for you growing up? What are some of the the lessons that your parents maybe taught you that really just stuck with you, you know, especially in regards to how you live out your faith going beyond your family and, and things that went beyond what you just simply learned in a classroom setting? Yeah, early on, I, I think both of my parents taught me different lessons because they're they're both very different. Uh, my mother is very calm, very sort of pious. Maybe she's got a little more fiery since I've been a priest. But uh, growing up, she just was that sort of consistent example of prayer. Right? It was often where I would catch my mother praying or or she'd share about a hard day and said, you know, I just prayed my Hail Marys through the day and made it through. Um, whereas my dad was was working a ton, and so when he would come home, you'd, you'd get the rant after work, and, and you'll learn a lot just by sitting at the feet of your parents. And, and for him, a phrase that he always used was just continuous improvement. And that's not necessarily like a, a Catholic principle. It's, it's not something from Scripture, but it really formed early on that every day I should get up and try to, to do better than the day before. And I think that um, set the stage for what it looks like to, to grow in continuous virtue. Um, and they, they sent me through Catholic school, and, and a lot of times it was I came home and, and had those conversations with my parents. Here's what I'm learning. Here's here's what Sister Mary Kay had to say today, right? And and oftentimes it just became uh, the dinner table was the place where we sort of workshopped those things that I was receiving outside the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that right there, too, uh, I forget how many years ago, but there was some sort of statistic that— if a family will just, I think if it was one night a week, they'll have dinner as a family, you know, make the meatloaf or whatever it is and just sit down and have that meal. The chance that the child will start experimenting with illicit drugs or will, you know, drink alcohol before, you know, they're 21 or, you know, engage in premarital sex, all these different things, the statistics drop hugely one time. If you have dinner twice a night, uh, or twice a week, I'm sorry, twice a week as a family, it was almost a guarantee that your children most likely will not. You know, it's it's not it's not a 100 percent, but it, it was it was high. It's like in the 80s or 90 percentile that your child will make good choices as they continue on through their adolescent years. Yeah, because you're setting aside that time where conversation is normal and natural, and it, and I think in modern day, a lot of times what I've seen is. Families aren't doing that, and so the parents are asking, you know, Father, how do I have these hard conversations with with my child? Yeah. Well, are, are you having normal conversations with your child? Things right. that aren't difficult, challenging. Right? What, what are the moments where you're actually engaging? And and so I would second that from my own priestly experience. When you meet a family who who sets aside that time, even if it's just once a week, to say, Hey, this is family time, and that allows the opportunity to see what comes to the surface because. Kids want to share with their parents, right? Sometimes it's easy to say, oh, they're sneaky or they want to, you know, lie or skate by, but no, they, they want to be in right relationship with their family and, and want to share those difficulties and joys. Our phone number to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149. As today, we're talking with Father Bobby Blood and discussing education in the home. Uh, of course, those options that we have of educating our children. And again, we're going to continue looking at those, um, those, those options, public school, private or Catholic school, homeschooling. Uh, Father, when we come back from the break, let's maybe kind of do a rundown of what you think are maybe some of the pros and the cons of each of those, um, you know, as 
people might be thinking about. What are the options? Some of those young parents listening out there, what they might consider as they're weighing what is the right path for their child. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. If you'd like to speak with Father Blood and our email address, relevantradio.com. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Up in the morning and out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. American history and practical man. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, today joined by Father Bobby Blood. He is the spiritual director and vice principal at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois, talking here on this feast of St. Catherine Drexel about the education options we have for our children. Uh, More importantly than that, what happens in the home, what we as parents are doing to help educate our children, something that goes beyond a school building or a classroom setting. And how have you done that in your own home? Have you made it that learning environment that goes beyond the school, that goes beyond the classroom? Uh, What is your experience when it comes to the options of educating your children? Did you choose to homeschool your children? And what were some of the wonderful things that you saw happen in that? Maybe you sent your child to a Catholic school, and how did you see your child flourish there? Um, Maybe you sent your children to a public school. That's where I went to school. That's where my children go to school as well, um, public education. And how have you been able to come alongside what your children are learning in school and be able to supplement that so that they have a solid understanding of the faith? Uh, Maybe you have a question about one of these options, about what might be the right path for you and your child, especially if you're a young parent just starting out. You're welcome to call in 888-914-9149, So, Father Blood, uh, this was a number of years ago. I was speaking with this man, and he and his wife, they had homeschooled their children. And this man was so adamant that homeschooling was the only real option for a Catholic family, to the point that he he basically said, if you don't homeschool your children, you hate them and you're a failure as a parent. Yeah, he didn't say it in those words, but that was kind of the the overarching message here. And I, I you know, number one, that's not true. Number two, each family situation is going to be different. There's going to be different factors and circumstances that come into play uh, with the choice of education for parents, for their children. So first of all, when we're praying, when we're trying to understand where should we go, what is the right option for our children, uh, what are some things maybe at the beginning, before we get into the three different kind of overarching options here of Catholic schools, public schools, homeschooling, what are some of the things that maybe we can keep in mind as we're praying, as we're seeking the guidance of God in this area? Yeah, I, I think the first step is is just to, to desire that, to, to know what is the will of God for my child and my family. Um, but but I, I find that interesting. It seems like everybody has their own horse that they sort of hitch their cart to, right? If they, yeah. the homeschool, I'm all in, public school, all in, Catholic school, all in, and I have my own bias, right, being uh, assigned to a Catholic high school and, and being Catholic educated myself, but... I would say 
Exactly right. Every family's in a different situation, and and we have to remember that um, the Lord is not going to cease working no matter what situation we find ourselves in. The Lord is still desiring and pursuing us no matter what sort of formal education um, our children are going through. But it's important when we look at the three um, to seek um, this phrase that I've sort of coined recently, just this intentional integration, right? So let's say they go to public school and um, they don't really have like a any sort of theological training there then to take what they're learning from the secular fields and try to integrate it with the faith and conversation, right? The same with homeschooling, right? If you just focus on uh, the social or religious, but but maybe aren't as hefty in math, right? There's going to be stumbling blocks in the future. And the same with Catholic school, right? This idea that um, we slap the, the title Catholic on it and we hope that it'll be a, a great institution. Sure. Yeah. Not always the case, right? So you sort of have to discern, okay, where, where, what's going on in my own community, what's going on in my family, and, and try to bridge those things together. So uh, we've got a number of people calling in, and I want to get to the calls here in just a moment, but maybe we can just briefly go through those three and talk about what are some of the pros and cons. What do you think when it comes to public school? What are, what are some of the, the, the good things, the benefits that can happen there? What are some of the drawbacks that we have to watch out for? I, I have my own ideas, but I, I want to hear yours, Father. Absolutely. Part of it is, uh, what does your city look like growing up right. in downtown? You know, the public schools are maybe a little more uh, difficult uh, and doesn't have as, as great a funding. Uh, but I, from from my experience now, I'm surrounded by a lot of great public schools, and, and what they have is, because of their size, they have a lot of electives, a lot of choices, a lot of— Extracurriculars. Uh, absolutely. And, yeah, Sports sure. programs are pretty strong. Um, but also uh, one positive, I think, in, in public schools is you have the opportunity to meet and have conversations with people who have other experiences. Right? We have a risk sometimes of, of becoming an echo chamber if we're only surrounded by people with similar upbringings. And, and I think public school offers this opportunity to expand both educationally, but also to get to know other communities and realize, OK, the, the world is big and, and frankly, Christ desires all of them. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's one of the the biggest benefits of public school is you. While there can be all kinds of drawbacks, and I see them personally, you know, I experience them myself. I see my kids that you know have those those same potential areas, but you do get the ability to talk with people that don't all maybe have the same kind of outlook on life as you, and it allows you to then. Maybe at a, a slightly earlier age, start refining your own thoughts on, well, do I really believe what my parents are telling me? And if I do, and hopefully you do, <laughs> that how do I explain that? How do I engage in conversation? And I think it can make you a little stronger from um, an evangelistic and an apologetic standpoint in being able to you know, early on explain what you believe and why you believe it. Absolutely. And that's especially true, I think, if you start in public school right away, right, when you're when the children are young, you sort of are formed in that. So you're used to sort of listening for, for different things and, and having those difficult conversations or asking those questions. Because it might be more difficult, let's say, somebody who's gone through Catholic school the majority of their life and then make a switch to public in high school. Maybe those skills that we're talking about that could be refined uh, might be more challenged, right? We just have to have that firmness of faith, um, depending on who we're, who we're speaking to. So uh, let's talk about Catholic school then. Um, when you're talking about Catholic school, obviously your vice principal at one, uh, a high school, 
What do you think are some of the really good benefits? What do you see as maybe some of the the, the issues mm-hmm. that happen in Catholic education? I think one major thing is there's a a closeness with parochial life. So grade schools are often connected to churches or in the high school, we've got five major feeder schools. So there's a connectedness to your parish. And I think that's a major benefit. So um, when they come to the school, there's a sort of connectedness and we share and we're advertising, hey, you know, St. Lawrence is doing this this weekend. St. Mary's has a great fish fry this weekend. And so you can tie back their experience of their faith at church with the experience of school. Um, there's also a surety of subject matter. At least we always hope so, right? Yeah. Uh, we do our best to, to make hires of even if somebody's not Catholic, uh, those who will agree to to teach only those things that that the church uh, believes and teaches. And um, there should be a confidence in that. And certain points, things are brought to my attention. Hey, Father, you know something a teacher said was kind of questionable, right? I immediately am I going to go have a conversation. Okay, what did you mean? What did you actually right. say? Right, what was actually said, sure. Yep. And then yep. sort of tighten the screws. But I think there's a confidence. And then finally a positive is I just think class sizes. Catholic schools are often smaller. Um, and with that, uh, I've just noticed the sacrifices of, of the teachers to go above and beyond for individual students because mm-hmm. you get to know them really well. And, and I'm sure that happens in public schools as well, but that's a unique gift of, of our situation uh, one of the biggest things that I think people would, you know, look at and say, well, this is a big problem, the cost, you know, Absolutely. that can be that can be seriously prohibitive, especially if you have a family who's saying, well, okay, we are trying to live out our Catholic faith in all areas, including being open to life. And so the more children we have, the more cost that is, but we have more costs as a family in general. So then it makes it to where can we even have a realistic you know, possibility of sending our children to a Catholic school. Absolutely. And that's that's been a difficulty since the beginning of Catholic schools. Um, and, and we experience that all the time in our own community. And and we have as much financial aid as we can muster, but that doesn't say that we were a catch-all. Um, and, and I think part of that is an invitation for all of us to pray for an increase of vocations to religious life and, and the priesthood. Right, because that's what made it affordable, you know, a couple of generations ago, was right. you had uh, nuns and priests who had all taken vows of poverty or were part of a religious community, or, you know, there, there were other ways that they were provided for, but they were doing the, the educating in those classrooms. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. that's both the, 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 the drawback of the costs, but also um, because we can't, hire an infinite amount of teachers. We don't have as many choices when it comes to, to electives and things like that. I want to pick back up on this, and I also want to get into you know the, the pros and cons of homeschooling, but I do want to get to the phones here. We've got some people who are waiting, and uh, Mary is calling from Northern California. Hi, Mary. Thanks for holding. You're on the air with Father Bobby Blood. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering, uh, my son goes to Catholic school, and um, I did not attend Catholic school. So I would just like to know what is a reasonable expectation for um, the spiritual leadership of the priest that's attached to the school. Um, Currently, it's pretty much just the kids attending mass once um, or twice a week. uh, And that's pretty much it. I mean, they do receive religious education during the day with their teachers. But as far as the priest is concerned, that's the extent of it. Yeah, that's a great question. I would say there's a some variables there. Is, is this a Catholic grade school? It is. Yeah. Um, I would say th- the more father can be around, the better, right? I think that's a desire for all of us. We want to be at all pla- places at all times. Um, 
I would say if, if there's a specific thing that you wish you saw or maybe your you know, fourth grade class has an event, intentionally shoot Father an email and say, Father, we'd love to see a, of the fourth grades doing a, you know, a song and dance at this time. We'd love to have you there, right? Um, and, and I would say different priests have varying degrees of, of comfortability and, and skills when it comes to, to being around young people, right? You know, some, some priests are a little awkward sometimes and um, they're, they're trying their best, right? So I would say have those conversations. If there's a desire to see Father someplace, being able to say, hey, I'd love to, love to have you here. Um, whereas my situation, I'm, I'm full-time in a high school and so there's a little more flexibility, right? I'm, I'm not heading to the hospital and the nursing homes or, or have a million other things sort of pulling on my time. But um, I would say a reasonable expectation is um, that face time and that sacramental leadership first and foremost. Um, and beyond that, just to, to continue to say, Father, we love when you're here and we'd love to see you more. Yeah, the positive encouragement can go a long way on that. Um, thanks for the call, Mary. I hope that's helpful. Again, our phone number here into the studio is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. As we're talking about different education options, about how we can help our kids as they are growing and learning, that first of all starts in the home but then those options of sending your child to a public school, to maybe a private or Catholic school, or homeschooling. What is the right option for you? What have you chosen for your children? If, if your children are grown and out of the house, uh, what, did you, what path did you choose, and why was that the right path for you? Maybe you are at the very beginning of starting your family. You have a young child, and you have some questions about some of these different options. You'd like to speak with Father Blood, and again, that phone number, 888 Father Ida is listening to us in New Jersey. Hi, Ida. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi. Uh, so my question is more towards uh, moral education. My kids attend public school, and they obviously experience a lot. Uh, one is in elementary, one is in middle school. And so uh, I think we, when it comes to moral education, we want our children to learn that it's okay to make mistakes, but we also want to teach them how to prevent making some of these mistakes so very often as parents we try to talk to them about things that we did as, as children that were not right and that we learned from life lessons that we went through so that it's they can realize that we are relatable we understand um and we can get past things but i wanted i want to know your outtake on this if it's actually convenient to do so because so often kids can use it against us mm-hmm. you know and so is it really beneficial for them or you know, because sometimes I have my kids turn around and say, well, you did this, right? Remember, you did this when you were a kid. And so they might see, see it as a way of their things being permissible because they know that I went through it, so I should expect them to go through it. Is it a good idea to share personal uh, life experiences with your children? Uh, that's a great question. And thanks for your call. I, I think it, it's one of those discernments. I think it's, it's, it's great in those moments where we can be transparent and share our experiences, specifically if we get to the point where we can share maybe where we tripped up a little bit and then always tying it back to here's where I, I learned or I, I, I you know, um, realized the consequences or here's where I made the shift. So it'd be kind of taking that step from just naming those mistakes we made and really highlighting um, where did the Lord bring us out of those places? Where's the sort of before and after? Um, and then in those moments where they might you throw it back in your face, well, you did this and that. And I said, and I learned, and I don't want you to make the same mistakes. And that's why I shared that with you. So even being able to redirect back to the the positive sort of 
a result of those mistakes where the Lord continued to show up. You know, the other thing that we've done in our house, Ida, is my wife and I, if there has been something where we, we've told our, you know, one of our children about some circumstance where, okay, you know, this is something we did. Maybe we, we look back on it and say, ah, it wasn't a good choice or, you know, the outcome was obviously not good. We learned from that, just like Father Blood is saying. But then also, if one of our kids brings it up and says, well, you did this, the opportunity to say, yeah, but I didn't have maybe my father or my mother who had that same experience, and now I do. So I'm trying to help you in this situation so you don't follow that same path and have the same regrets or you know, wish you had taken another opportunity, done done something different when that came up. You can also, you know, just acknowledge to your child your role as their parent. Yeah, well, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't a parent at the time, and my parents didn't confront me about this, but for whatever reason, God decided, you are my child. He's entrusted you with me, and so it's my responsibility to try and parent you as best as I can. And when it comes to this area, uh, you know, this is this is where I stand as a parent, and it's okay for you to say that. You know, how will that be met? Well, that's going to be the individual child. Good luck. <laughs> I'll say a prayer for you, Ida. But um, but yeah, just to not be not to be ashamed or afraid to say, well, yeah, I love you, but I am your parent, and this is this is why I'm trying to help you in this area. Again, our phone number, if you'd like to call in and speak with Father Blood, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're going to take more of your phone calls coming up next. Also want to talk a little bit more about the homeschooling option. Uh, there's probably some more we can talk about the Catholic school option there too, Father. So a lot that we're going to try and cover here in the time remaining in this hour. You're listening to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the relevant radio app. Are you battling an addiction? Our sponsor, St. Gregory Recovery Center, can help you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com Gregory. That's relevantradio.com Gregory. I was. I want to say I was maybe like 10 years old, and my cousin, his name is Clark, he had the album from the Beach Boys, Endless Summer, and I listened to that. Whatever that summer was, it was an endless Beach Boys summer for me. I just listened to it again and again and again and again, and this was one of those songs on it. Uh, yeah, I love the Beach Boys. Uh, thanks, thanks for playing that, Nick. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Bobby Blood, he is the spiritual director and vice principal at St. Edward High School in Elgin, Illinois, talking about different options that we have for our kids of how we can look at education, but also of how that that teaching, it really is foundational in the home life first. If you have a question, if you'd like to speak with Father Blood, the phone number 888-914-9149, Father, we've got Krista, who is listening in Bozeman, Montana. Hi, Krista. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I had a question just regarding uh, trying to decide on schooling for our children. Uh, we have a daughter who's five, and so would be going into kindergarten 
next year and um our son is younger he's two but um i was just wondering when you aren't on the same page with your spouse um and you know i actually also work at two classical uh christian schools one's just a general christian school and one's catholic um but i work in both places and we're just not on the same page with schooling. Uh, he isn't practicing the faith and supports public schools. I'm a little wary because I've I've had friends who have sent their kids to public schools, and also with a lot of the changing that seems to be happening pretty quickly in the um, public arena now, you know, with um, supporting all these different gender I- ideologies. Um, I'm I'm wary of sending our kids there, especially when we're not united on a faith front at home. Um, and I've offered homeschool as a compromise, but uh, when when that means I would uh, that, that means I would have to stay home, which I would love to do, but it would mean a loss of income as well. Right. And um, my husband's not quite on board with that. So I guess what would your advice be <laughs> going into trying to make this decision yeah. um, when kind of facing these difficulties? Yeah, I would say it's it's difficult when we're especially when we're looking at such a big decision if if we're not on the same page with our spouse and that's it you know I'll definitely pray for that difficulty but I, but I would say part of it is um, maybe taking the time in prayer and making a list about uh, the whys right what what are our what's my fears what are my hopes what are my hesitations and being able to sort of to write those out um, because I think sometimes it's helpful to kind of get it on a page and, and out of our mind because. If it stays just in our mind, it can kind of get in that cycle of worry and, and just kind of lay it out. And then to ask the Lord, okay, you know, where is it um, where my fears can maybe be subsided, whether they're at public school or, or a private school? How can I maybe uh, pivot and, and provide for those specific needs? And then maybe ask your husband to do the same, to, to list those things. What are we hoping for our child? What What's the hope or the fear about where they're going? And and to get those things on a page, so maybe a, a just a step deeper of conversation can, can happen. Uh, but it's hard if it's at a standstill. Yeah, that's a difficult situation, Krista. I, I think Father Blood's advice, you know, what, the advice you give, Father, is really good, being able to outline and say, okay, you know, if if we're both coming at this and saying we have different different paths that we think are the best, outline, you know, just kind of as you and I were going through, what are some of the pros and cons of some of these different options here? And what wins, you know, in the end? And if one is more a more compelling case, both spouses, you know, walk into it, hopefully, you know, have that agreement. I'll, I'll be willing to, you know, to, to say, yes, that is the better option, even though it's not the one I'm walking in wanting, if we really put all of those different pros and cons down on paper and we can see, yeah, that that is the more, the more viable, the better option for our child. Uh, you know, the other thing that we were talking about during the break here before we came back is wanting to also be honest about, you know, not any of these three options are going to be so perfect that it's 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 going to be oh, all of your problems are solved, and your child will never waver from the faith. They'll never stray. You know. That is that is their own path. You can only do so much as a parent. But, you know, in being honest about, 
you you said, yeah, of course you have this bias towards Catholic schools. You went to a Catholic school yourself. You're the vice principal of a Catholic school. I went to public school. My kids are in public school. I don't have a problem with public school. I know what is out there. We have to have very honest and real conversations at our home about some of the things that our kids encounter. Um, you know, homeschooling, Krista brought up a great point. There's that loss of income if she's not being able to work. There's the honesty there. One of the things that you and I talked about during the break, the drama that you can see with kids, because there's that positive you brought up, that that nice social network of parishes that feed into the schools and the schools feed into that that high school that's there for you. You can also have the, such a tight social network that drama between a couple of students, if there's a falling out, that can then kind of go up all the way into the parent groups, and there can be some problems between parents there as well. Can you talk a little about that? Yeah, I, I think there's a difficulty in any community, if it's small, where um, any struggle, negativity, uh, it's it's contagious, right? So on the positive end, when we talk about, you know, we have this great community, and, and, and I've seen that in a lot of ways, um, they're also, when you have a tight-knit community, um, if somebody is frustrated about something and it festers and sort of spreads and and then we're, we're out of the realm of, of what's really happening here? What's the end goal? You know, I've been talking with one of my colleagues often about what's the, the point of, of our Catholic school? What's the end goal? And the phrase we came up with is, is student success. And we never want to get distracted uh, to, away from that reality, both when we're talking about uh, the faith, but also just a healthy school. This is about student success, and and sometimes in our smaller Catholic communities, we can get lost in the weeds, and um, and really lose sight of that goal. I got an email here from a listener who says, "Thank you, Josh and Father, for covering this very important topic. I've heard more and more callers." For example, on the Patrick Madrid show, the, the show that airs right before this, having an issue with the way the Catholic schools are run today, meaning further away from the faith and operating more like a public school. They introduce topics that you would not think would be part of the curriculum. Do you have any thoughts on if that really is a growing trend that you see? Is it to obtain funds? You know, uh, Is it to be able to have a broader ability to hire executives or teachers of schools that have certain credentials? would be interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think it, every school is going to have its own culture and experience. I would say in, in my mind, it's, it's one of those difficulties where when our society has an issue, uh, an illness, uh, a defect, um, the question is, how do you address that? I think many people have that question in their own family. How do we address this issue? So on the school level, it's the same. How do we handle the fact that society says so many things that are contra to our faith and not overstep our boundaries, right? Because parents are primary. Yeah. Um, I would say from my own personal experience, um, I always try to assume the best of, of everyone. So when we look at our Catholic schools, uh, even if we see things that maybe we're not too keen on or feel like, man, they're, they're really overstepping bounds, to, to really hope and assume the best that they desire more than anything, the the goodness of the students. Um, and we have to be honest, sometimes that's not the case. They're, they're not doing it well anyway. Um, but but as parents, you have every right to have conversations and and talk to those in your school. Hey, you know, how, how are we addressing this? Or, or even ask the question, how can we better address these things as parents? But it's a, it's a fine line. 
One of the other things that might be good to talk about just in our last 30 seconds here is some of the things that we see as maybe negatives could be a positive. You know, as Krista was talking about having to maybe have a loss of income when looking at homeschooling as an option, well, loss of income can be seen as a negative, but at the same time, it allows us to experience a spirit of poverty. And that could be a good thing for us in the long run. Yeah, if the Lord is asking you to make a particular sacrifice for the good of another member of your family, I think that'll be grace. The Lord is going to show up. He never asks us something beyond what we can carry. So if he makes the invitation, I would just say, take it. Father, it's always good to talk with you. Thanks for being here with us. And in our last moments here, could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners as we wrap up the hour? Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Father, we ask your blessing upon these sons and daughters in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks again, Father Blood, for being here with us. And I hope you can uh, join us on Monday. Coming up, we're going to be speaking with Father James Kabicki. He is, of course, a regular voice that you hear on Relevant Radio. We're going to be talking about how we can overcome distractions in prayer. What? You don't have any distractions in prayer? I don't believe it. I'm sure you do. So I hope you can join us for that conversation. Uh, Father's going to have some wonderful insights on how we can overcome those distractions, how we can persevere in prayer. Stay tuned. Coming up in about 30 seconds, we've got Mass starting here, and that is followed by The Faith Explained with Cale Clark. I hope you have a blessed and wonderful weekend. Talk to you on Monday.